Hi everyone and welcome to For Fact's Sake, the first podcast about misinformation and fact checking. I am your host, Ali Bryan, and alongside me as always, the Descartes of Discourse, Paul Dobson. How are you, Paul? Very well. That sounded incredibly grand this week. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, yeah, feeling privileged with that particular nickname. How are you, Ali? Very good. And you live up to that nickname very well, as I'm sure Thank people you. will um, see uh, during this podcast. I'm very, very good. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into our podcast this week. We've got a bumper selection of things. I think you'll agree. We have an interview with Professor Daniel Jolly, who is professor of social psychology at the university of nottingham and he was telling us all about why people believe in conspiracy theories and how it can be linked sometimes to bullying in their life we've also got a fact check and the inevitable paul's curiosity corner would you like to give us a flavor of what we're going to get in that yeah so our fact check continues the theme of bullies for this week we're looking at the banning of american xl bullies in the uk and we on Paul's Curiosity Corner are looking at a pretty bizarre claim from the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak about Brits potentially needing seven bins. Shall we get on with it, Ali? Yep. Let's speak to Daniel. I'm Dr. Daniel Jolly. I'm an assistant professor based at the University of Nottingham, where I'm interested in the psychology of conspiracy theories. So yeah, we're obviously a misinformation podcast and we're quite regularly speak about conspiracy theories, but I think what would be good is just first of all, if you could define what psychologists would consider a conspiracy belief. One definition that I kind of always kind of fall back to is explaining that conspiracy as attempts to explain the ultimate causes of events or issues as secret plots by perceived powerful groups, which often is in opposition to the consensus claims of epistemic authorities. So kind of pointing the finger at those who perceive to be powerful and blaming them for the wrongdoings in society that go against the actual aspects of true reality. And now I really underline the perceived powerful group, because, of course, it can be governments who are powerful, but can also be minority group members. So conspiracies about Jewish people, immigrants who are arguably not powerful groups, but they're perceived to be threatening, which therefore makes them the ideal conspirator. So a lot of your research has been around focus on the connection between like workplace bullying and the likelihood of believing conspiracies. Can you like explain what that link is? So with the workplace, you often can perceive your boss to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And indeed, the that therefore means that the workplace can also be a place for conspiracy theories to flourish. So I was interested to understand more about conspiracy theories in the workplace. But also we were, me and my colleagues, were inspired by some other research which highlights how Discrimination can be a predictor of belief in conspiracies. That is, you have been the subject of discrimination because of your sexual orientation, your race, or whatever it is. This can make you more likely to believe in conspiracies. It's happened to me before, so why wouldn't it happen to me again? But of course, discrimination is very a broad concept, and it may not just be based around race and sexuality, etc. Rather, it could also be your experiences of bullying, whereby you are 
a victim. And indeed, it is quite different from, let's say, sexual discrimination in the sense that often there it's more interpersonal. Rather, it's kind of you and someone else. So it could mm. be your work colleagues. It could be your boss. Or mm. it's that kind of parent imbalance whereby you there are the subjects of discrimination over a period of time. Now, typically, psychologists class this as over across six months. So okay. you have to have these kind of bullying behaviors where people are, are withholding information. They're kind of doing things to you over a period of six months. So yeah. in our research, we recruited people who were employed in the UK and then asked them a series of questions. So these were different behaviors that are classed as bullying. And what they had happened over the last six months? And we also asked them to self-define. Do you believe or rather did you have you been bullied in the last six months yeah. in the workplace? Yeah. We then also asked them their belief in conspiracy theories. Now, one measure that psychologists typically use is this one that taps into a more general mindset of conspiratorial right. thinking. So you can imagine that you obviously who have beliefs in real world things, like climate change, vaccines, 9-11, but also you have beliefs that are a bit more kind of linked to specific events, rather it's the, yeah. the conspiratorial notions that conspiracies exist. People are engaged in plots and schemes for their own self-interest. Yeah. So we measured the, the latter to kind of get someone's more general tendency to engage in this thinking. And what we found was that people who reported being bullied, both saying, yes, they have, but also mm -hmm. behaviours, were more likely to say that they believe in conspiracy theories. We also did a second study, which is a bit more experimental, where to try and test kind of cause and effect, we had people remember a time or want to think about a time when they were bullied and then indicate their belief in conspiracies. And again, we found that thinking about being bullied was related to belief in conspiracies. So here we've got some evidence that it's not just experiences of discrimination to do with, with, with race or sexual orientation, but what can also be your experiences in the, in the workplace. Now, arguably, anyone could be bullied, right? Anyone. It's not something that particularly, you know, a certain group of people could be bullied. Rather, anyone could find themselves in this, in this, in this situation. So yes. for me, it really underlines that conspiratorial thinking could impact any of us. The specific sort of psychological impacts that things like workplace bullying or discrimination can have on people, which can turn them to, to conspiracy theories. I wondered if you could explain that a little bit more. So with the, the process, in essence, the why, what mm. we know in general is that bullying experiences can make you more paranoid, can make you feel more anxious, can also increase this perception of looking for threat, which are all things that predict conspiracy beliefs. So we did measure those in our, in our research. And we found that actually all of them were associated with conspiracy beliefs and bullying. But it seemed to be the kind of the big hitter was paranoia. That bullying, bullying experiences potentially kind of elite the feelings of paranoia, where you kind of feel that people are out to get you, which in one hand is true because people are out to get them in that very unique context. It just seems to then translate to a more perception that others in general are out to, are out to get you, which therefore can make you slightly more conspiratorial. So, of course, you know, we do know that paranoia is associated with belief in conspiracies. But it's not that everyone who believes in conspiracies is paranoid. Rather, there's more kind of nuances that kind of explain the effect there, 
such as feelings of, of, of uniqueness, feelings of anxiety, threat, sense-making, trying to make sense of the situation you are in, which certainly makes mm. sense in, in the way that if you find yourself being bullied and you are the victim in whatever way, you're looking to try and understand what has happened. Why are you like that? Why is it happening to you? How can you kind of understand what is happening? So in that moment, a conspiracy kind of helps you kind of make sense of what is happening to yeah. you, right? Because you think, okay, this is happening because everyone's out to get me. There's this conspiracy against me and my group. And that at least tries to promise to make you, make you feel better. But of course, in reality, it does not because, you know, other research has highlighted how once you believe in one conspiracy, you can believe in multiple. And also it kind of increases your distrust of others because suddenly you think, yeah. okay, if others are out to get me, well, then I don't like that. So then I, I distrust those around me and suddenly it turns into something very different. That's really interesting. I think that's the one of the things we've like talked about in this podcast before is that um, the sort of conspiracy journey thing and that you might, it might, the, the, so quite often the triggers for people getting, that becoming kind of conspiratorially minded are legitimate. So like they're not, it's not like they just suddenly go, I read that 9-11, that didn't happen. It's more like something will happen, either it'll be something they'll see in the news or something that will happen personally to them that is quote unquote conspiratorial mm. <laughs> and they have yeah. had an experience where they've been they felt yeah. like they've been misled or whatever yeah. and then it's real it's true yeah yeah exactly it's totally it's really totally it's true that's a really interesting thing i think we've it's that where does like the kind of it's, it's not like a direct drop off cliff it's like a slide isn't it so yeah. you might believe in some things that are like narrative up where the narrative has been questioned maybe legitimately and then that falls away and then before you know it you're on a sort of you're on for example 9-11 or the you know, QAnon mm. or any of these more um extreme conspiracies without realizing absolutely and that even brings the question of well how do we help those individuals in a mm. sense that i don't yeah. kind of be going a bit of a head here but thinking towards someone who has experienced bullying for example and to say mm. to them oh you know you just think more critically yeah, you're like well i am because this has context. happened to me and yep. so it's, and also you think about, you know, homophobia, racism, like these are real experiences that people are, are going through. So in a way, it's thinking about how do we kind of help with that, that conspiratorial journey for those people. And by not by, by, you know, in a way affirming what has happened and trying to then build trust back in a way in, in the institution, trust back in that, in that workplace or whatever it is. But I think the point there is that, it's such a simple journey to find yourself in. It's not just that people are pa crazy, paranoid, which is yeah. often the rhetoric from like 10, 15 years ago, but rather it's kind of built in that real life experience where in a way people are trying to protect themselves from the reality that did exist. It's just that it's been translated into um, you distrusting the NHS, which impacts your yeah. vaccine behaviors, yeah. distrusting scientists around climate change. So suddenly you are not reducing the common footprint. So the, the kind of impact can be quite quite wide reaching i wondered like from a psychological perspective what you think the best way of reducing the risk in people that they are enticed by conspiracy theories is and how we should speak to loved ones or other people we know who have potentially bought into conspiracy theories it's a good question a good question that I'm going to say at the start, these are difficult conversations. Yeah. Like, under no illusion, these conversations are easy. And also, I suppose it depends when, again, where on the journey that person is. Mm -hmm. Is it they're asking questions, they're very open, or is it that they have this belief? And this belief has come part of their identity. 
So when it's part, you know, it's deep inside, that's how they view the world. That's very difficult to kind of change. Mm-hmm. So I think actually we, we, we think about trying to step away from that and talk about it much more broadly. So we, we wrote a piece not, not too long ago for the conversation around how to talk about conspiracy theories. And we really want to encourage people at the start to be open-minded. So to ask questions, but not necessarily questions about the conspiracy theory, like tell me about climate change, mm-hmm. but rather tell me about how did this belief start? Like where, you know, what, what does this belief offer you? To try and understand a bit about the psychology in a way, to understand what are some of the triggers for this person? What does this offer you? Mm-hmm. Be receptive. So to really kind of show that you're listening, you know, ask more questions. Yeah, I understand, I understand what you mean. Tell me more. Also to affirm the, the shared values around critical thinking. Now, I'm sure ev- everyone's going to agree to ask questions, to be critical is a good thing. But the kind of nuance comes in that often people believe they're being critical, but actually they're not. So in the sense of ask them about, you know, we both agree that we should ask questions, but how do you, how do you evaluate, evaluate information? Let's say you search something on Google. What do you do? So get them to talk through some of those, 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 those skills. You know, highlight that conspiracy beliefs actually isn't the norm. People can perceive that conspiracy beliefs are really popular right, and yeah. that everyone in their group believes in conspiracy beliefs. They have this mis- misreception. So actually you say, you know, you know, quite a few people do believe in conspiracies, but not as many as you think. It's actually not that commonplace. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, to try and think about things that actually could help. So, for example, we know that people feel disempowered are more likely to believe in conspiracies. So if you think about, okay, forward facing, how what's something in your life that you can control? You know, there's so many things that are just out of our hands. But let's think about things that we can actually control. Talk me through some of those things. So these different strategies are not there to kind of change someone's belief on anti-vaccine or climate change, but instead they're trying to try to understand and build rapport, build that connection with that person, which may help helpfully enable them to think a little, a little bit more clearly when they come to be exposed to newer content. So when they think, yeah, actually, I do agree with Dan that we should be critical. Actually, I am going to think more critically about this piece of text that I've read on Facebook and potentially doing something that's a bit more not as directive on that anti-vaccine belief, shall we say, could lead to more productive conversations. But as I say right at the start, these are difficult. I can't imagine these conversations will be as easy as my examples there, but hopefully give some ideas of how we can kind of tackle this. So early last week for our site, you explained some of the row around bully XL dogs and their mm. banning in the UK. So can you explain, first of all, what the government has decided to do about bully XLs and some of the context for why? Yeah, so Rishi Sunak announced uh, last week that the UK government was going to take action to restrict uh, bully XLs. So... They basically put out a statement saying that the the dogs would be added to the list of prohibited dogs by the Dangerous Dogs Act, um, which is a bit of legislation that came in in 1991 that banned certain breeds of dog which were thought to be dangerous. Um, that bit of legislation came out after media reports 
uh, like a series of media reports uh, of attacks. That was, the coverage was then mostly focused on American pit bull terriers. Um, but again, it's a similar situation now. Is that basically over the last year or so, and particularly in recent the recent month or so, basically it's become a massive uh, thing on social media. People talking about how um, this type of dog, Billy XL dogs, are causing are, are responsible for like loads of injuries and um, even some f- fatal uh, attacks on people. And there's a sort of been a groundswell of kind of um, support for uh, some sort of legislation to ban them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a dog expert, um, um, but I do, don't think I've really heard of this dog prior to the sort of furore around them a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Uh, and I think a lot of other people probably the same. Uh, so mm. what are Bully XLs and how long have they been about? Yeah, so it's it, basically the Bully XL is, a, is the largest of the American Bully breed, which developed from the American Bull Terrier. Uh, it's a right. crossbreed. There's bits of American Bulldog, English Bulldog. Um, it's recognized in the US as a breed, but not currently in the UK as a breed. Um, it seems to have been uh, first bred in like the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and there's sort of different versions of the American Bully Dog, and the XL is the biggest one. Um, they can weigh up to around 60 kilograms so they're big hefty dogs and uh yeah it seems like they only came to the uk maybe about eight nine years ago um but have been sort of uh linked to a significant number of incidents since then so do bully xls cause more injuries than other dogs yeah well this is where it gets a little bit interesting a little bit kind of complicated it seems to be anecdotally there seems to be a lot of evidence that there have been incidents involving bully XLs. So there's a, a press group called Bully Watch, which was formed, uh, quote, in response to a growing number of victims of bully XL and large bully attacks. They have started cataloging incidents of reported dog attacks. And they, in 2023, they've got 841 attacks uh, in their catalog. And they claim that 341 were from American bully varieties, including the bully XL, which is the biggest one. So on the face of it that seems like they are they are um causing injuries to people in various attacks and obviously they 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 clearly are involved in some attacks but the data around this is pretty sketchy they admit themselves that the data is just a sort of um back of a napkin approach to this and basically what happens is that they go through platforms like facebook and nextdoor and reports in the media of attacks that have been linked to these sort of dogs but that means that those statistics are kind of incomplete and likely to be quite unbalanced because for example particularly because when there's you know a lot of publicity around a certain type of dog people might misidentify it when they see a people some a dog being attacked or they might you know it, there's not really mu- much way to verify these things and official statistics aren't really held on the type of dog causing different attacks yeah usually the statistics that exist are based on hospital stays and also deaths um, there are some statistics on fatal dog attacks which have been collected by National Register for Scotland and Scotland and the Office of National Statistics in the rest of the UK. And in Scotland between 2013 and 2021, there were only two deaths caused by fatal dog attacks registered. Right. And in England, Wales, there was 30, although it seems that in the last year there's been a bit of an uptick. Yeah, so this kind of is part of uh, a wider debate about nature and nurture with dogs and mm. whether certain breeds are more aggressive than others. So is there any evidence that the American Bully XL is more aggressive or dangerous than other dogs? There's been some studies done around different dogs and their like what whether they have characteristics or like behavioral traits, um, you know, one more than others. And there is some evidence to suggest there are some differences. 
but they might not be huge. There was a study in 2022 that found on average only 9% of behavioral differences between individual dogs can be explained by genetic breed differences. Right. So they concluded that the breed of dog is quite a poor indicator and predictor of how a dog on an individual level will behave. But then another study in 2019 found that in terms of overall differences, they found some behavior such as aggression and fearfulness can be linked to certain breeds rather than others. Um, okay. Obviously, larger dogs will tend to be over uh, represented in statistics regarding dog attacks uh, in as much as they exist because of their strength and power. So do more damage. If a big dog, yeah, if a big dog attacks you, you're more likely yeah. to be. And that, again, makes it even more difficult to like gather proper statistics on this to identify whether or not, as you say, it's nature or nurture. Obviously, a significant element to this uh, conversation which is about how well certain dogs are trained, all various human behaviors which can impact the way that dogs behave. So Ali, on Paul's Curiosity Corner this week, you've been looking at an odd claim from Rishi Sunak's announcement on net zero policy this week, uh, particularly a terrifying claim about the number of bins Brits could have been facing if he hadn't reversed those policies. So what's going on here? Yeah, so as you know, Rishi Sunak announced he was watering down climate pledges uh, last week um, getting a lot of criticism from uh, climate scientists and the climate change committee among others um, the kind of big policy moves that he uh, made were pushing back deadlines on selling new and petrol diesel cars and also yeah. the phasing out of gas boilers um, but he also said he was scrapping several other policies that were sort of about encouraging behavioral change among the public um, and one of these was um stopping the policy that we should force you to have seven different bins in your home um which has become quite uh, the thing on social media okay so was there a policy for people having seven bins and did he actually scrap it yeah so like a number of the pledges he made it seems like sunak isn't actually scrapping policies which exist um nice there's never been a requirement for people to have seven bins to cover their recycling nor does it ever government policy or even suggested, as far as we can see. And even number 10 officials said that this was never the case. Um, a couple of departments came out and said that this wasn't the case. Um, but it was did form um, some of part of his interviews around the policies and was uh, on social media as one of the things that he was saving the British public from. So was there any truth to it then? Uh, and if so, where did the claim come from? Well, as far as we can tell, it may have come or at least been part influenced by a Daily Mail headline, which is never the best start for policy making or policy unmaking, depending how you view it. Uh, in 2021, there was new council guidance in England and Wales that said councils should have collections available for seven different types of waste. That was paper, okay. plastic, metal, glass, non-recyclable, food waste, and garden waste. But it wasn't a household plan. You could always put right. stuff in your in the mixed recycling, like, you know, obviously in Scotland, we have like the blue bins. Um and then it would be separated by the council once they'd picked it up. It wasn't like you yourself would have to have all these seven bins sitting outside your house and then they'd all get picked yeah, up. Yeah. But this was uh, sort of parsed through a Daily Mail headline uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, the headline being, Furious households could be forced to pay to have seven different waste bins. Amid fears, council may push costs to govern green scheme onto taxpayers. But that wasn't the case 
and remains not the case. So effectively, he was scrapping a policy that didn't exist. Yeah, surprising that the mail would be misleading in that way. Um, you mentioned that um, there were numerous policies that didn't really exist that Sunak pledged mm. to scrap. Can you give a couple of other examples where you know it was a bit of a straw man he was he was arguing with? On uh, social media, when they were advertising the kind of policy changes uh, that he made last week, uh, they put a post out saying, we're stopping heavy-handed measures, uh, including taxes on meat, new taxes to discourage flying, sorting rubbish bins into seven different bins, compulsory car sharing, and expensive insulation upgrades. Um, none of those policies were listed in the government's net zero strategy. Um, particularly uh, interesting and notable was taxes on meat, um, he seemed to allude to a proposed meat tax that was proposed by the Climate Change Committee, but we couldn't find any evidence of that. The Climate Change Committee has recommended people reduce their intake of meat, but yeah, it's not in any of the government policy documents or climate commitments they've made in the past. So it seems like he's just scrapping a policy that doesn't actually exist and has never been planned. That's all we've got time for for this episode of For Fact's Sake. Thanks so much to Daniel for coming on and uh, teaching us all about how uh, bullying can be linked to conspiracy theory belief. Um, certainly something we've been uh, talking about this podcast for a while and uh, interesting to get his insights. Paul, if people want to get in touch with us to put forward any of their beliefs, what can they do? They can get in touch with us in all the normal social media channels. So we're on Twitter or X. Uh, we're just at Ferret Scott. We're on Facebook. Uh, we've got a LinkedIn page. We also have our uh, community forum page, which yep. is community.theferret.scott, uh, where we post various pieces of interactive content and you can get in touch with our journalists. Uh, it's also would be great if you could give us five stars on any of the platforms you listen to the podcast on. We have been a bit negligent with asking for that. And yeah, that's unfortunately, true. we have been knocked off our pure five-star perch. We're only 4.9 stars now, yeah. well, which is devastating. Yeah. So we need help. The haters have got to us. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, if you thought this podcast was worth five stars, then please give it five stars. Or even if you didn't, please give it five stars anyway because it really helps yeah. us out. Yeah. Okay, we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>